Check, check. Hey, there I am. How you guys doing? That good. Amazing. All right. Psalm 49, excuse me, 48. This is, oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship here in your temple. As your name deserves, oh God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. Let's stand up and worship, guys.
You guys, you can go be seated. just want to welcome you guys to the house. Thank you guys for being here. Tonight we're going to kick off a kind of a new series over the next four months. And if you're new here, we do this once a month on the third Sunday of the month. Uh, over the next four months, we're going to kick off this series just entitled The Rhythms of, of Life, The Rhythms of Discipleship. And tonight we're going to take a look at the rhythm of prayer. Uh, and if you're like me, I, I struggle with prayer. Of all the things that are involved in the Christian life, probably the one thing I can relate to is the disciples looking at Jesus saying, Lord, teach me how to pray. Um, I'm not good at it. I try. I sit down. I make time. I'm like, dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. I got to get my oil changed later. You know what I mean? It's like I'm focused for about 17 seconds, and then I'm somewhere else, and I'm just bad at it. And so tonight we're going to take a look at kind of why we pray, but as we walk out through the night, we're going to take a look at how we pray. And hopefully tonight you'll leave here with just some tools of, to, to strengthen your prayer life. And, but first, before we even talk about the how, let's talk about why. Why do we pray? Number one thing we pray, we pray because it's commanded. And I want you to understand this, guys. Anytime God commands you to do something, it's for your good. Our God isn't a God of just throwing out rules saying, do this, 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 and this because I told you so. He says, do this because it's for your good. Do this because it's for your good. And so when he tells us to come to him, to pray to him, to communicate with him, he's saying, this is going to be for your good. The second reason we pray is because God cares. see, a failure to pray isn't necessarily like this breaking a command or a sin. A failure to pray is a, is a failure to treat God as God. A lot of times our prayer life or our lack of prayer life shows that we don't believe God is who he says he is. 
we don't believe that God cares for us. When you're praying to God, what do you think God's face looks like when you pray? I was listening to a pastor today, and he asked his son that. And on the end of his bed was a balloon with a big smiley face on it. And his son looked up and said, I think God's face looks like that. He was like, you're a lot wiser than a lot of people. We don't believe God cares, and so we don't go to him. I've got this quote from uh, Pastor Matt Chandler. It says this. It says, the main issue in our prayerlessness is we have a problem believing and grasping that God likes us, enjoys us, and delights in us. God doesn't tolerate you. He doesn't put up with you. He just doesn't deal with you. He delights in you. And today, I don't want to come to you with this duty of like, you need to pray. It's commanded. You need to make it a discipline in your life. I hope that you leave here tonight with, I get to pray. I get to talk to a God, my Father, who delights in me, who cares for me. Second reason we pray is because prayer changes things. I don't know how it works, but I know God's in control of everything. But I know somehow when I pray, it can change things. We see this happen. In the Bible, we see this happen in our church. We see this happen in people's lives. We see people getting on their knees and praying and things changing. The third reason and probably the most powerful aspect of prayer for me is that prayer changes us. Prayer changes me. I've talked about it before. I've used the example with my wife. When she's struggling with some anxiety or worry, she'll come and we'll pray. And after we pray, nothing has changed. Everything that we were worried about is still ahead of us. But for some reason, during that prayer, our hearts change. There's this peace that comes over us. You see, the greatest aspect of prayer is it aligns our heart with the heart of God. See, when you're worried, when you're afraid, when you're struggling, when you're angry, when you start to pray, you start to remind yourself who God is, you start to remind yourself who you are, and all of a sudden, your heart becomes aligned with Him. So prayer changes us. So tonight, we're going to walk through the how to pray. That was the why, why we need to. Hope you feel that weight, but now we're going to talk about the how. Because we've struggled with this. I mean, if you look at history, we used to be so formal, right? There would only be certain prayers that you could pray. My family's Catholic background, so you have these certain prayers that you would pray all the time. And then we swung over here, and now Jesus is our homeboy, right? We can talk to him however we want, right? What's up, Jesus, right? You're my homeboy, right? And so, and we get to that, and I'm not, listen, we're going to talk about how much God delights in you. We've already mentioned it, but like, somehow we've gotten to this, I don't have to pray those formal prayers. I, I can just talk to God anytime. And sometimes our prayer life just has no power to it because it's not focused. So tonight we're going to talk about how, and the acronym for these how and these aspects of prayer is called ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Supplication is just a big word. I had to look it up today. It just means request. It just means asking God. And if you study the, the prayers of the Bible, all four of these aspects just come out all the time. And so what I want to tell you is our prayers need to be consisted of these four aspects. And tonight, we're going to walk through that. We're going to talk about what it looks like, but then we're going to sing some of this stuff, and we're going to walk through this tonight. And so first, I want to start us off with adoration. Our prayers need to consist of adoring God. We need to tell him how great he is. 
And that sounds weird. Is God knows how great he is. Why do I need to tell him? And we're going to see as we walk through the night how important it is that we start with this because we need to remind ourselves how great God is. When we pray and we tell him how great he is, we remind ourselves that. You see, adoring God simply means we exalt, esteem, bless, and honor the Lord. We reflect upon his character, holiness, goodness, love, mercy, power, and grace. We remind ourselves of how awesome our God is. There's a favorite Christian song of mine, Derek Webb wrote, and he called himself the Mockingbird, which means he only tells God things that God told him about himself. Like, we didn't just wake up one day and realize how awesome God was. We read his word. We've seen what he did. He revealed things to us. And so we go to his word and we see verses like Revelation 4. It says, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Or Exodus 15, who is a God like you, O Lord, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Who in the skies can be compared to the Lord in Psalm 89? Who among the heavenly belongs, beings is like the Lord. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, with your faithfulness all around you. Psalm 86, there is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours, for you are great. You do wondrous things. The Bible says there's a protocol to enter into the presence of God. It says we enter into his courts with praise. This is what our prayers should start off with. We need to get ourselves balanced, and we need to remind ourselves that we have an amazing God. So when we sit down to pray, and I, listen, I told you about my ADD prayer life. I, I'm not telling you you've got to sit down and pray for an hour. But anytime you do pray and you, you take time, because we should be praying throughout our day, but that we should take some specific time to do it, we need to sit down and say, Father, I am so amazed by dot, dot, dot. I want you to think about that. What are you amazed by? When you think of God, what are you amazed by? And if you're struggling to come up with things, we have a whole book full of his amazing qualities that we can go to. You can consider the millions of light-sensitive cells that make up a single human eyeball that allows us to see God's beautiful creation. When I teach our kids at kiddo camp, and I talk to them about God being real, I say, just go to the mirror and poke your eyeball. See how amazing it is. You can't look at an eyeball and say, God's not amazing. Something simple like that. You can consider the marvel of water or all his creation. So tonight we're going to take a few minutes and just adore God. And I'm going to start praying and the vans are going to go into some songs and we're just going to take time to just praise him. Let's pray. Our Father... You are holy and righteous and just, deserving of praise, honor, and glory. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. Before the earth was formed, you are. You are from everlasting to everlasting. We honor you and give you the praise you deserve. You are good and your mercy endures forever, from generation to generation. Oh, how we adore you and magnify your name. You are the only true God above all gods. There is none like you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh, Lord, faithful and true, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We bow down to you and worship you in the beauty of holiness. Let all the people praise you. How majestic is your name. 
The heavens declare your glory, and from our lips we offer you the fruit of praise. We bless your holy name, O Lord and our God, forever and ever. Amen.
So we approach God with praise and adoration. And now I want you to see the result of doing that. I've got a verse for you, Daniel 9. It should be on the screen. Daniel prays this. He says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying this, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love and keep his commandments. He starts his prayer off with adoration. Now I want you to see what that leads him to. He says, we have sinned, done wrong. We've acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. See, once we've spent time meditating on how beautiful, glorious, holy, righteous, and amazing God is, it naturally leads us on the path to recognize that we are unworthy to approach a God like this. It drives us to confess. See, when we acknowledge that we have a great God, it forces us to acknowledge that we are great sinners. So again, Adoring God is for your own good because it's going to remind you of who you are. And this is going to be a good thing. You're going to see this. See, when we praise God, when we adore Him, we remember who He is. But when we confess, we're remembering who we are, how weak we are, how unworthy we are. See, I always, I always ask people how big their cross is. And what I mean by that is... The top of your cross is how amazing God is, and the bottom of your cross is how good you are. 
And I'll be honest with you, I grew up in church with about a cross this big. Because God was awesome, but I was pretty doggone good, right? I mean, I was close. My cross is really small. And over the years, I begin to realize how amazing he is and how not amazing I am. And my cross got bigger. I want you to see this, that confessing our sins, going to God is so good. It's going to be weird at first. I, I haven't been doing this for a few months, but during this time of confession, it just it gets, it gets different. You've got to start examining yourself, right? But I want you to understand this, that we don't confess as if we're standing in front of a judge, right? This is not a confession in front of a judge who's deciding whether we are guilty or not guilty. The Bible says your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, end of story, if you're in Christ. So you're not going, begging God to forgive you. You're confessing your sin to a father. As if you're sitting down on the couch saying, Dad, I need to tell you something. Not expecting condemnation, not expecting a ruling from a judge, but you're confessing to make your relationship right with him. Dad, you need to know something. I'm struggling with this right now. I need some help. See, confession allows us to humble ourselves. It's good for me to realize my flaws and my sin. You know, Paul, he said, I'm the chief of all sinners. And he didn't say that to exaggerate. He really believed it. And I, I got some days where I don't believe I'm the biggest sinner in the room. But I need to think that way. I need to be so aware of my own sin that I'm not looking at anybody else because mine is dominating. So we need to get there by confession. So we acknowledge we have a great Savior. We acknowledge that we are a great sinner. But what we're doing is, again, we're making our relationship right. And there's some verses in the Bible, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not real comfortable with them. But because they talk about if your relationship isn't right with God, if you're not confessing, if you're not forgiving other people, then it says your prayers are hindered. There's this verse here, and it's, it's talking about husbands in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. As the weaker partners are heirs. With you is the gracious gift of life. Look what it says. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. I find that interesting. It's like husbands, love your wives well. Because if you're not, your relationship's not going to be right with God. And it's going to hinder your prayers. So this is why we confess to go to a judge. and Not our judge, but to go to a father to say, Dad, I've messed up. We need to examine our lives. We need to see the weight of our own sin. You see, seeing the weight of your own sin drives us to our Father. Seeing the weight of our own sin brings humility. If I was to ask you right now, what's the one thing you're struggling with? Does something pop in your mind? Or do you even think about it? Maybe it's been so long since you confessed, you're like, I don't even think about my sin. I'm covered by the blood. When was the last time you took a flashlight and kind of shined it on your heart? When was the last time you kind of took inventory of all the sins that you're struggling with? Now, I want you to know this isn't the end of the prayer because this is, 
I'm not Johnny Raincloud here, right? But we've got to acknowledge this. We've got to come to this place of confession. So we confess our sin. We confess our struggles, but also we confess our weaknesses. We confess that we can't do it without God. So over the next few moments, Kyle's going to play, and I just want you to take time to confess. To go to your father and sit down on the couch and say, Dad, I need to tell you some things. And understand that you have a great Savior, but you are a great sinner. Let's pray. Our Father, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. With you there is steadfast love. With our God there is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. We know that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But you have said that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
it's not one thing, it's another. I'm caught up in words, tangled in lies. something beautiful about a Christian confessing. The beauty is found in the reality that we don't have to stay there. That this service isn't over. We don't end with that we suck, right? That's not how our prayers end and how bad we are. I want you to look at Romans 7.23. You see how now this confession, now that we have a great God, but we are great sinners, leads us to the next thing. And it's just... Thanksgiving. Look at Romans 7. It says, But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul is writing and saying, Man, I am struggling. I'm a sinner, but look what he says. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, this is what confession leads to. It leads to thanksgiving. Is your life defined by thanksgiving? Are you considered a thankful person? What I've discovered about thankful people is they're the most joyful people you ever meet. You never, you never meet a joyful person who isn't thankful or a thankful person who isn't joyful. I got a grandma that always thanked God for her parking spots, right? I'm like, that's silly. But she thanked God for everything. I want to be like that. And those popcorn prayers that we're praying all day, thankfulness is one of those things that you can always be thanking God for something. So we thank God for everything. The little things, the big things, but above all, we thank God for the cross. We thank him for the thing that bridged a great God to a great sinner. You probably heard me tell this story. It's one of my favorites, but it's a guy by the name of Eddie Rickenbacker. A few years ago, a movie came out about his life. He was a POW. I think it was called Broke Unbroken was the name of it. He went down in a plane, and about eight of them ended up in a life raft, and uh, they spent about eight days out there, and no food, no water. And on the eighth day, they gathered in one boat, began to pray, and after they prayed, 
They went back to the little corners expecting this was going to be the end. And Eddie said he closed his eyes, and as he closed his eyes, he felt something land next to him on his boat, and he looked over, and it was a seagull. And somehow he used some ninja skills. He grabbed over that seagull. And they were able to eat that night, and they were able to use the rest of the seagull to fish. And they broke the record for how many days survived at sea. He got captured by the enemy and went on to some more misery, but eventually he made it home. Got saved at a Billy Graham tent meeting. And the rumor has it that the end of Eddie Rickenbacker's life, he would walk down to the pier on Fridays with a bucket of shrimp. He would go to the end of that pier and he would sit down and he would take the shrimp he would throw them in the air and say, thank you. Seagull would grab it. Say, thank you. Another seagull would grab it. They asked him why he did it. He said, because when something dies for you, you should tell it thank you. We have a Savior. We have a God who put on skin and bones and came down and took our place. And it wasn't that just that he died, he took our physical death, but he took the wrath of God, our eternal punishment. He took it in six hours and he said, it is finished. So above all things, our prayers should be saturated in thankfulness. So over the next few moments, we're going to not only worship, we're not only going to give thanks, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. See, on the night that Jesus went to the cross, he... He took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. He says, take this and do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the wine and he said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. They didn't have a clue what that meant at the time. About 12 hours later, they figured it out. He said, I want you to remember what I did for you on the cross. So when you gather, I want you to come and I want you to take this cracker and I want you to, to dip it in the juice to remind yourself of what I did for you. And so we come and take the Lord's Supper to say thank you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you. We praise you. But above all right now, we thank you. That while we were great sinners, while we rejected you, you came down and took our place. May we never get over that fact. May that never just be common knowledge, Lord. So we come now to your table that you invite us to. As sinners, we remind ourselves of what you did and we say, thank you. In your name we pray.
good to them. So now we come to supplication or making our request. We've established that we have a great God. We are great sinners. We thank Him for all the blessings that He gives, but also for the cross. To bridge that gap between a great God and a great sinner. But now we come to a Father. I want you to look at Matthew 6, 9. And Jesus was asked about prayer. He says, this is, I want you to pray like this. Our Father in heaven. I could be wrong. Some scholars could check me on this. But I don't think Jesus ever prayed. And he didn't use the word Father. I want you to pray like this. I want you to remind yourself that you have a Father in heaven. Jesus would later go on to teach, like, listen, you as sinners, you know how to be good parents, right? Like, you know how to give good gifts. How much more as a perfect God do I know how to give? So we come to a Father and we make our request known. But I want you to see this. All of this is leading up to these requests. We had to make sure our relationship was right. We don't just start off, Lord, I want this, I want this, right? My name's Jimmy, I'll take all you can give me, right? We don't just start off our prayers like that. There's a time for it and it's coming. I heard a story of this missionary. He was in Kenya teaching at a school. And it was in 1977 and on his second day of the job, he walked into the headmaster's room and commanded that he get him some more math books for his students. The headmaster looked at him kind of funny and said, Hey, how you ha- how you doing today? You having a good day today? How are your parents back home? Have you talked to them? See, he was reprimanding him very politely. But you see, in Africa, a lot of countries, it's exceptionally rude to make a request of a person as soon as you enter their presence. You must first greet the person, ask about their family, their kids. Only after all of these things can you make a request. The ideal behind this custom is that the two of you have a relationship. And that relationship is more important than anything you might need or have to ask for. So this is what we do. This is why we adore God and we confess and we thank Him to show God that He's enough. Whatever we could ask for, it doesn't matter. He's enough. But I want you to hear this. God wants to bless you. He says, I want you to present all your requests to me. Everything you could have ever imagined about asking for, I want you to, to tell me about it. I want you to ask for it. Sometimes we ask for things we don't get them, right? We think, man, God can't be loving. Why didn't he give me that? But here's what I want you to know. The Bible promises this, that if you're a child of God, son or a daughter of God, if he doesn't give you something, it's for your own good. So we present requests. I want this and this and this. And he's like, nope, that'll kill you. That'll ruin your life. Nope, that's not going to work out. You don't want him. Trust me, right? I'm doing your, you know, and he's doing all these things and we don't, and we think, man, how can this God love me? But actually he's, he is loving you. He's giving you exactly what you need. It's an old Garth Brooks. I don't know I'd ever quote Garth Brooks, but he says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. 
Sometimes the greatest things, the greatest gifts God's ever given me is not answering my prayers. And sometimes I ask for the wrong things. So I want you to understand we have a Father who loves us. And he wants us to come to him and ask for it all. And a lot of times, I'll tell you this, if his answer might just be wait, right? Just wait for it, right? Maybe not on this side, but you're going to get it, right? Like my wife at our apartment, the bathtub's too small. She just wants a bigger bathtub, okay? And I have to say, wait, give me a few years, right? I'm going to get you a bigger bathtub, right? She's going to get it eventually. Sometimes that's how God says, just wait. I promise you something better is coming. I'll give that to you. But we have a father who wants us to come to him. He wants to hear your request. And he wants to bless you. So we establish a relationship with our God. We tell him that that's the most important thing. And then we sit down on the couch with our dad and we, we tell him all the things that we need. So over the next few moments, I want you to make requests of God. Maybe it's for you. It's okay. Maybe it's for somebody else in here. Maybe it's for a family member. Maybe it's for our country. But in this time, don't get so self-centered. I want you to hear me hard here. It's okay to ask for things. God wants you to, but... A guy convicted me one time. He said, if God were to answer all of your prayers tonight, everything you've been praying for over the last few months, if he were to answer them all tonight, would it affect your world or would it affect the entire world? Like, nope, it would affect me, right? Maybe a few family members, right? Present your request to God and don't think all about yourself, but it's okay to do that. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you now and we thank you that we can come and just ask. There's nothing too small, nothing too big, Lord. So we come and we now we ask, or we ask for maybe just wisdom on what to do next. Or ask, maybe we seek in a relationship. We want to get married, Lord. We're asking for that. We're asking for a new job. We hate our job. We're asking for a friend that doesn't know you, Lord, a family member, a relationship that's been broken, we're asking that you would heal that, Lord. So many things, Lord, we're just coming to you right now, we're just, we're thanking you and asking you for what we need, Lord. We love you and praise you, in your name we pray.
Circumstances, Lord, we praise you. Guys, you can go and be seated. Uh, can we just give it up for our amazing band? Oh, I hope you've been blessed tonight. Uh, I hope this helps. I hope you leave here with just a, you know, maybe some tools to strengthen your prayer life. And again, we're continuing this series of just some rhythms. And prayer is a rhythm that we want to be a part of our lives, just a part of our daily lives is, is prayer. And uh, so right after this, we're going out to the ball field. If you want to come hang out, we got some fire pits, some s'mores. If you don't do s'mores, I don't do s'mores. We got other things um, to hang out. There'll be some guys playing some ultimate as well if you want to change clothes and do that, um, but come hang out with us next month, uh, November 20th, put it in your phones right now, it'll be our next house, Sunday night, November 20th, it's the third Sunday, 6 o'clock, we'll be in here, spread the word, uh, if you see something on Facebook about us, like, it helps if you share, or find us on Facebook, that helps too, so it keeps you kind of in the loop, uh, also, on Facebook is a, um, a screensaver you can get for your phone, it has the axe on it. So uh, this is helpful for me if you want to, uh, I don't remember what axe stands for, uh, this will help, okay? So you can get that on our Facebook page as well. Uh, also in the back when you walk out of here, there's two sign-up sheets. One is for a 10-1 serve one. We want to flood Sunday morning with servants. If you signed up last time, you haven't heard, we're going through a new process of like getting background checks and all these things, so we're setting up the system. We're going to get in touch with you. We want you to serve so we'll get in touch with you. Also, uh, there's Life Group. Uh, if you want to sign up and be a part of a small group, on Thursday nights we have a group that meets here um, up in the attic at 6.30. Uh, we just kind of, we're walking through the book of John right now. We've got a great group. So if you don't have a group, Thursday night here at 6.30 uh, up in the attic, which is right out this door up the steps, and you can't miss it. So come be a part of that. Uh, thank you guys for being here so much. Anything else, any announcements we need to make? All right, let me pray, and we'll be dismissed. Dear Lord, we thank you for an amazing night, Lord, of just seeing who you are, Lord, and worshiping you, Lord. So cool to stand in the back and just see people worshiping you for who you are, Lord. As we go out of here, Lord, be with us, watch over and protect us, give us a great night of fellowship. We love you and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.